welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and we have returning with us Kendra Bloom, a somatic psychotherapist. Thanks, Tom. Kendra, I'd like to welcome you back to the program. Just to review, she is a somatic psychotherapist that I worked with in Seattle for about five years. She and I both moved to the Bay Area this year. She has an office that's located south of San Francisco in a place called Woodside. She'll tell you the contact information in a second, but she's been a remarkable adjunct to the practice. In my view, as the Doc Project helps people build a foundation, then Kendra has just taken many patients that I honestly had given up on and also six months later or a year later, why they're doing just fine. I'm going, what? But because the doc project does lay the foundation, but there are, but a lot of people need help. All of us need some help at some point. She's been able to incorporate the doc principles with her own background and also some new ideas that are coming out. The whole process is evolving. So I'd like to ask Kendra this session to really talk about her approach and how she thinks about pain and how she moves people forward. I realize it's individual, but it really is a remarkable process to watch these people get better. So Kendra, welcome back to the show. Thanks. It's really good to be here. So Kendra, as you mentioned in the first program that, you know, I've worked with you about five years. In the last three years, we've shared many patients that really just had no hope at all. They were really stuck, really angry, really frustrated. No matter what we did, the pain seemed to get worse and worse and worse. And I refer them over to you, and it's not 100%, but it's pretty darn high. If somebody's willing to work with you, there's just things that happen that I've never seen before. So I'd like maybe just to tell one or two stories about some of the patients that we shared that just were really inspiring. Yeah, yeah. Is there, um, you want me to start? Yeah, how about, there's that one friend of ours who's relatively young we've been working with this year. We can't yeah. use the name of course. She's yeah. an artist. Yeah. Um, you know, when I think about, about her case, I think what comes to my mind is really, um, this reframe of, and I think we talked a little bit about it the last time, you know, we spoke was this idea of, um, separating the anxiety or the pain patterns from who I am as a person. And I think as she started to get more clarity and actually have tools um, to be able to do that separating, right? Like it's, it's one thing to know that you want to put your attention somewhere else, but I think what somatics really tends to offer is um, very tangible ways to interact with your body and direct your focus that has an immediate impact on your nervous system and so by association your pain. And as that starts to happen, the system settles some and then your natural healing capacity, your natural wisdom really becomes available. Um, and what I see is as soon as people get in touch with that, it's just like, you know, the river gets to flow. And they, you know, it's really that's where um, the healing uh, is, I think, so, so miraculous in a way. Right. Yeah. Well, this person had chronic pain since she was about 10. And she, I'm sorry, she had anxiety since she was 10. That was really disabling. That she had chronic pain throughout most of her body since she was 15. She's now in her 30s. And she tried everything. Really had tried everything. I talked to her a few years ago, and she really wasn't, you know, I'm an, an adult, and I'm the father of one of her friends, and whatever. So I wasn't really being listened to very much. 
then last January, we had a really good conversation. She started to work with the Book and the Doc Project. And within about a month, she started really moving forward relatively quickly. Then I really felt Kendra would be a better match for her. Uh, yeah, I'm a surgeon. I, I only have so much softness in my bones. It's not. <laughs> so I, I can get people started, but I'm not really clear that I don't ever see myself being Kendra. I can tell you that. But I'm just curious, so long story short, she is now a little bit pain-free, anxiety is minimal, she's taking on new projects, and she's back being an artist, and she is so excited, it's been fun to watch. Yeah, it's really fun. And, uh, and you've seen her more recently than I have, and it's been pretty inspiring. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, you mentioned she's an artist, and I think that's one of the things that always really touches me as people start to heal as their creative capacity comes online and you know the the inspiration and like sort of where she, where she's going is quite exciting um but i think you know what made her work possible was that she first of all she really fully committed herself she did you know she was doing the work on her own all the time outside of session um and and also that she um you know i think making historical connections was really is is was important for her and is important for a lot of people to understand and see how the things they've experienced early in their life um are being projected and imprinted on their present day conception of reality and in a really limited right. way for the most part right. um, you know so that so that was i think quite freeing for her and when, and when she had some of that freedom and ability to feel into her own authentic self versus just living constrained by those patterns, um, things really started to change in her life. I mean, one of the principles of the whole doc project is if you go to a pain clinic, which I'm not, I don't want to be negative on, but basically things are being done to you in a structure. When you take responsibility from the beginning and learn whatever tools resonate with you, you own it. And what happens over time, you add layer and layer and layer onto the process. In my experience, when people, once people get better, they now have the tools to get stronger with time, not worse. So we have patients now five or 10 years later who are really doing well. And the part that's exciting for me is that when the anxiety drops, Kendra is correct, the creativity comes back. But often, if not most of the time, people start living life at a level that they never lived at before. Oh, Right. Yeah. And, and of course, you and I are both examples of that. I, you know, I had a terrible experience and I did not know the kind of life I'm living right now was even possible. And I think, do you remember me talking to you three years ago and I, I called this out for you? I <laughs> think I'm going to say what you're going to say. I just, <laughs> I, 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 tell you, I said, you're a great, you have this beautiful future in front of you. You're a great person. And the anxiety was just killing you. I said, once you break through it, you will thrive at a level that you never comprehended before. Was I right? Yeah. I mean, with so much gratitude, I say, yes, absolutely. I think you were right. Yeah. And the, I think the essence of the issue, you might want to rephrase it, really just connect to your own healing capacity, again, feeling safe, but you're connecting to who you are. And I think it's been a really disservice in medicine that we've separated the mind versus the body. And it's just a unit. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's an organism, right? It's a system. Right. I often think about the body kind of like, um, a channel that has like a river running through it, right? And river is like, whether you want to think about it, chi or life flow or just blood flow or respiration or the flow of chemicals through your fascia, but like there's a flow. And over time, as you encounter painful or scary or negative experiences, there are these little constrictions, right? Or these little tightenings and they start to build kind of dams. And then okay. as the river's flowing, it's like, 
leaves or, or brush or um, rocks start to like add up. And those are the spots that we start to feel lots of pain, right, over time. Because I, I have yet to find a patient who comes to me where they're, the place they feel pain is not directly correlated to the tension patterns that they took on during their traumatic experiences early on in life. Right. Right. People, people tend to minimize this. I know this is talked about a lot and people call it psychological and it's just not. Again, Kendra is a psychologist. I'm not trying to be negative in psychology, but okay. If you're somebody that walks in the door and you scare my cat, next time you walk through the door, my cat's going to remember that. That was an unpleasant experience for my cat. She's just going to take off and run. Well, you take a cat that's a feral cat that's in the wild. It takes a long time to get the cat to trust human beings in general. Mm-hmm. But when you, it's called adverse childhood experiences called ACE scores, that if you come from a chaotic background with things like drug abuse in the family, parents in prison, a lot of fighting, emotional, physical, or sexual abuse, what happens is that more things in the present environment seem dangerous because when you were a kid, they were dangerous. Mm -hmm. And so people forget just a linkage system, the way all of us survive, we find out things when we were younger that were dangerous, we learned how to avoid them or cope with them, or or maybe we didn't cope so well. But when that same part of the nervous system gets stimulated again, you're gonna have the same survival response. It's not psychological, it's a linkage system. And you had mentioned you had quite a bit of training in trauma. Um, Mm -hmm. You wanna elaborate on what I just said a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think what you described is what, you know, we call a trigger, right? It triggers an old memory state. And I I think that that's sort of um, an important distinction, right? If the, if our limbic system, like, or, you know, the part of our brain that's in charge of sort of scanning and determining whether or not we're safe, if it detects that anything smells, sounds, tastes, feels any, a shadow of a doubt similar to the things that we experienced when we were young that were determined to be life-threatening in some way, which almost everything is zero to three because we're so dependent, uh, then it's going to go into that bag of tricks that it used to survive it early on and have the same kind of reaction that did back then. But actually what we're in is a memory state. Correct. Right? It's, it's, it's our body remembering the fear. Um, so like when my boss yells at me now, if I have a boss that yells, which actually I don't because my boss is like quite lovely. Um, but if I did, um, then my body's going to go, ah, and react the same way my, you know, abusive dad yelled at me or whatever, which also I don't because my dad's also lovely. But um, you get the point, right? Right. right. Like, it's just a, it's just a Yeah. So see, the problem is in... With traditional psychology, okay, I spent 13 years doing this. And again, there's lots of benefit to it. But what it didn't do, it didn't move me forward. And it actually made things worse in a way because yes. I was raised in an abusive chaotic household. Things were dangerous. I had a high, I had a high which is called A-score, adverse childhood experiences. And so I was hypervigilant all the time. Right. So when things in the current environment get me hypervigilant all the time, even if there isn't a threat in the environment, when you're raised in a chaotic environment, your baseline is just simply hypervigilant. I actually didn't know how to relax because that, guess what? I never knew what relaxation was because I thought this is all normal. Right, which I think is partly why, you know, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but like, I think that's partly why traditional talk therapy can be so ineffective. I get so many people right. coming to me, I've been in therapy for 10, 15, 20, 25 years, right? right. And I'm just worse. And I think it's because your system isn't changing, but you're strengthening those pain pathways because you're right. talking about it over and over and over again right and the right. system only gets more sensitized over time right 
Okay, so let's talk about your approach. Okay, uh, say I'm your patient. I have had, again, I had 17 of these 33 symptoms. My ears were ringing, my headaches were bad, I had back pain, my feet were burning, all sorts of stuff was happening. I'd been through psychotherapy for 13 years, and I was really, my anxiety levels were 12 out of 10, really full-blown anxiety disorder. How would you approach me? What, what would, and, and I failed everything. I'm a physician in a high level physician and I tried everything. People were trying everything. Nothing was working. I had truly lost hope. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. now I walk into your office. How do you approach people like me? Mm. Well, first I get to smile because I have another doctor. <laughs> you guys are always my <laughs> best patients. Um, no, but seriously, I think, um, you know, I think I tend to first take people, um, on two tracks, right? So we're looking at immediate relief. So I think you would have walked in in, in sort of a lot of distress, right? In, in right. A, a bit of crisis. And so we'd want to do things in session immediately that are going to give you some relief. Um, and so what we would do is we would try a couple different things, whether it's like visualizations and breathing exercises, or I'd actually kind of do some structural or somatic work that's more hands-on work. Um, or help you use some of the props in the office. Like we have sandbags and different kinds of things. See what your body responded to. And then once we got a sense of what your nervous system really likes and what it responds to, we would want to make sure that you are accessing that resourced state or that like more preferred state in an ongoing way over time. So I would help you have homework that would be getting you to reconnect to that space multiple times a day over the next week or two, right? right? Um, and then we would also want to initially probably do, so I think of human existence on about on five levels, right? The spirit, the emotion, the physical, the cognitive, the behavioral. Okay. And so we want to kind of assess for you where are your strengths and where are the challenges so that we could start thinking about kind of how to use the areas that you have some resource in. Okay. To serve to serve the ones where you don't, right? Like you have a nice community, so that's a resource for you. Um, right. So and then... Um, also probably do your history. And that's in the that's the place where I'm gonna to get to see how your historical patterns are tracking onto your present day um, challenges and patterns, right? And so from that sort of assessment phase, then we move into say, okay, really where are the areas that, that have the most energy or the most heat, you know, like in terms of what your system is responding to or not. And together we would make up some kind of plan. So like someone like you, I probably would have wanted you to, to go on some kind of supplements. And I did refer you to a, you know, one of the physicians here to, to work with on that specifically. Right. Um, probably also I'd recommend that we schedule some ketamine, I, you know, and that you would talk with one of the physicians about that. I would check out that as a venue because I think, um, you know, uh, all the things you're presenting with the anxiety, the pain, um, you know, the, those are all indicators for me to, to refer for that. Um, let's up with the ketamine just for a second. Can you explain to the audience what ketamine is and what the general effect of it is and why you would decide to use that? Yeah, for sure. So ketamine was originally an anesthetic um, and they found that it was like such a safe anesthetic that it was like being used in war zones and kids and animals and, and all this stuff. And, you know, I think in like around the 90s, they noticed that people coming out of surgery who had just had ketamine as an anesthetic were like, had these major decreases in depression that were lasting for days and were no longer suicidal. And so they got curious and they started studying it. Um, and what we found is that ketamine, I, you know, what 
lovely researchers have found is um, that ketamine affects a couple different aspects of your neurobiological functioning. And, and one of them is to change the levels of glutamate in the brain. And that allows different information to go through different pathways than it normally would. So we kind of have these like inhibitory fear-based thought patterns um, based in how our neural pathways are wired. And right. what it does is it, it kind of allows us to suspend those very entrenched pain pathways is what kind of how, how you would talk about it right. and allow us to orient or process or approach the same old information, let's say our trauma, right? Or our history. Right. Um, from, a, from a new vantage point that allows us to make different kinds of meat and not be so stalled in that kind of fear-based response. Um, right. The other thing it does is it, uh, you know, it allows, it makes the brain sort of very neuroplastic, right? So it's really open to making new associations and forming new pathways. And so okay. if you think about anxiety or depression, right? And like you mentioned in so many ways, it's a meaning-making game, right? It's how your brain is assessing like, you know, Laura Mosley's, um, the his famous story about he gets bit by a snake. He's walking on a trail years later, he hits a, sti a stick and he thinks it's a snake. Right. right? And he reacts with the, it's like, you know, I think he passes out and goes into this whole response and the pain response and everything. Right. So right. if we can help the brain, um, approach information differently, um, we're going to have a different experience of life. Right. Um, so that's just one of the things I think, especially for chronic pain, what it's useful for. Right. Uh, I mean, I do want to do a, a separate podcast just on obsessive thought patterns, you know, like dust yeah. devils. But I'm just going to ask the question. I don't know the answer here about ketamine. So to me, anger is irrational. To me, I call it phantom brain pain. Mm -hmm. You have these thoughts spinning around that are going like a tornado, and you can't penetrate them. It turns out that part of the disease is actually blocks the treatment. Because we all know that when you're trying to talk to somebody that's angry, why... Yeah. It's not rational. You can't right. really break through. I spent years and years trying to do this, and the harder I tried, the worse it would get. So one, I want to jump ahead a little bit and work back to this, is that one thing that Kinder seems to be able to do is to help people actually allow themselves to feel. And so you're connecting the mind and the body, but you're actually allowing people to experience sensations and feelings and still feel safe. And it seems like the ketamine might be one of the steps to open the door I just want to add one more thing is that, again, ketamine is not the cure. Ketamine is an adjunct, just like the expressive writing is an adjunct, just like all this adds together. People say, oh, I tried ketamine, didn't work. Well, again, if you don't do the other parts of the project, it's not going to work. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, um, for me, it's how these things fit into the larger healing um, process that you're engaged with, right? Even, even um, ketamine treatments here, like if we don't have preparation and integration and you're, and you're not doing work during it, um, it's, I don't think it's, it's going to have a significant effect. I think it's really about how you're using these as part of a larger um, healing process. Right. right. I, I may encourage people with all medical care, whatever it is, is to look at it, okay, this helped this part of it, but what happens, people try something that doesn't work and they get angry more angry because that didn't work because it's triggering right, right. There, there was a time in our life where we were victims right each right. of us has, has experienced a very real victimization right, right. and so i think it's important to differentiate between um righteous anger that like is actually about the present right when right. versus projected anger 
right? Or historical anger. And I think that's really what you're talking about that gets brought up every time, you know, you think, oh, my doctor failed me, just like my mom, I'm out of here, right? Right, right. Well, Kendra and I are planning on probably doing a series of podcasts, going into lots of details about all the things that we've been doing. And I'm always excited when I have conversations with Kendra because things go really deep, really quickly. But I'd like to just finish up here. If you just tell us maybe one or two more stories of people just in, in general of you that uh, how you, uh, pulling them out of the hole. What I'm sorry, allowing themselves to pull themselves out of the hole. Yeah. What are some of those stories? Um, you know, I think uh, one of the one of the people that always comes to my mind was one of the first patients that you referred to me, and she was a mom, and she had had a a really difficult childhood with a lot of sort of cruelty and like emotional neglect. And um, she had had a spinal fusion um, and life was just so hard for her, you know, I mean, she's just really suffering. And um, we did a lot of work around releasing her from kind of these binds of the his the historical connections and then really working on this like awareness separation reprogramming. She just, she took it and ran. Like, you know, she really committed herself to that process. And I do a, what I call trigger mapping with people where like when they get triggered, they stop and kind of tr trace it and do a his, you know, historical component, a somatic component, and it really helps with that process. Right. Really just like engaged with it. And now um, she's had her like third baby and, you know, things are really, for the most part, very happy at home. And, um, you know, she's starting to think about a program that will share this information, teaming up with some other moms who have also gone pain free to share it with you know, bring this to kids. Right. Uh, so, you know, I think she's a really inspiring example to me because nothing has changed about her structure. Her, her spine is still fused from top to bottom, right. um, but her suffering is gone. Um, and I think her, her ability to love herself um, and share that with the world has just really transformed. Well, it's also fun. And we see this all the time is that again, when you break free of the suffering around pain, it's just radiant. It's inspiring. It's yeah. enterprise. I mean, it's just so exciting to watch these people go and it's not risky. It doesn't cost very much. And it's just really been, I mean, for my career, I'm just blown away. I mean, I was a very aggressive surgeon yeah. and I was, I had my share of failures, had my share of successes, right. but this is just different. And it's so inspiring to watch these people wake up. Yes. And, you know, I think that I do really want to honor, although it is not uh, medically risky to engage with this, I think it takes a lot of courage because it asks you to believe in yourself. that You can take charge of your healing, that you have an innate healing capacity, that there's something that's, that's truly whole and good about you that will sustain Right. And that it's, it takes a lot to hope for something else when you've had so much disappointment and so much pain for so long. Right. So I think that what, you know, what I would really offer is that I know for me, like it, it was terrifying to try to hope for something else. And it took hitting rock bottom in a way to get me to commit to it. And I'm, you know, I'm glad that happened, but I don't think it has to get there for everyone. If we can really understand that it's going to be scary and that's okay. You can be scared and right. engage. And, you know? and, and still feel safe. Yes, and still right? know that you're safe and you're okay, right? Um, no, I agree. That that, I think that's an extremely good point that yeah. it, it, it is scary to allow yourself to feel anxious. 
Yes. Right. And to, again, to not just stay in those familiar loops, right? Our right. brain is so wired it's to be predictive and to stay with sameness, right? If I go in the right. same cave that I know there's just cobwebs and like, you know, crappy light. Okay. At least I know I'm, there's no bears, right? right? My brain is just going to want to keep me in that crappy cave as long as possible just because it's trying to keep me alive, but I don't right. necessarily want to live in that cave forever. Right. No, that's a great, that's a great metaphor. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for your time. Her, she can be reached at kinderbloomtherapy.com. If you go to my website, backincontrol.com, hit services offer, it'll say doc coaching. Kendra's website will come up. She also does telecoaching. So um, she does the doc, well, she does her own version of the doc process, but she does coaching online. She does telecoaching. And she's been a great, a great resource for different people that I, I end up coaching around the country also. But um, she's in the South Bay. Woodland's about, what, an hour south of San Francisco, 45 minutes south of San Francisco? Oh, about half hour. Woodside's uh, about half, half hour south of, of the city. Yeah. So she has people from all over California coming up from Fresno, different places, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's really worth your time to consider working with her. She's wonderful. And I just can have just watched so many people get better that I just really did not think had a chance. So Kendra, thank you again very, very much. Yeah. And I look forward to seeing what we can do next. Thank you so much. I really am so grateful for the influence this has had and what I've seen it have for other people. So it's, it's really, truly an, an honor always for me when I get to support your work and this work. Thanks. Kendra, I'd like to thank you for being on the program and sharing your stories and also your insights about patient care. This is your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to return next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today, and join us next week for Back in Control Radio. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.